Chapter 11 Kitty was alive. She stood in two feet of water, facing away from me. The sun sparkled on her bronze skin, and water trickled through her fingers as she splashed it over her bare shoulders, breasts, and legs. She must have ducked under the surface earlier, because her hair glistened wet and dark. And in spite of the fact that the water must be cold, she seemed to be enjoying herself. I didn't move, but watched, transfixed as this young goddess worshipped the sun and river in a way I figured was stamped into her DNA from generations past. To my surprise, a soft keening sound came from her lips. The language was unfamiliar, but the meaning seemed to gel with my own spirit and made sense to me. I was certain I knew what she was singing about. Thank you, great spirit, for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the water that swirls and cleanses me of blood born from evil. Thank you for the bright sun that warms my skin and dries my tears, for the great trees that shelter the birds and animals. So she can sing. She can speak if she can sing, right? Hope surged within me. From across the river, a great blue heron flew close to Kitty and settled on a rock beside her. She turned to it, hand outstretched. For a brief moment, it stretched its beak toward her and seemed to lock eyes with her. Time stopped. I'd been holding my breath, and when I let it out, the bird flapped his great wings and flew downstream. I moved slowly down the hillock to the water's edge. Kitty had draped our fleece blanket over a metal chair near the table. I picked it up and started down the wooden steps, softly calling Kitty's name. She turned to me, as if she'd known I was there, completely relaxed with a soft smile on her lips. Slowly she waded toward me, her proud young body healthy and strong. I noticed that she walked unafraid almost princess-like through the amber currents that swirled around her calves. With a rush of affection, I beamed at her. Good morning, Kitty. She was family. My husband's blood. She belonged with us. And I'd do everything in my power to protect her. The sound of Quinn's shout woke me from my calm. I quickly helped Kitty dry off and put the nightgown on, then called upstream, Quinn, I found her! We're down at the jacuzzi! He scrambled down the hill toward us. Oh my God, Kitty! What were you doing down here? He pulled her to him, crushing her in an embrace. She buried her face against his chest, looking up at him with a hint of a smile. She was bathing, dear. I smoothed Kitty's hair and pulled it back from her shoulders. Remember? She never got to clean up with all that happened yesterday. He looked at the damp blanket I held in my hands, down the steps to the jacuzzi, and back at Kitty. Oh. I laughed. I think she prefers the river to the shower in the house. I saw the emotions flitting behind his eyes. The fear dissolved quickly, followed by a flash of ragged relief followed yet again by amusement. Oh, Kitty, you almost gave me a heart attack, girl.
I touched his arm. Come on, honey, let's get her into some clean clothes. She'll probably swim in my size tens, but we can roll up the pants and sleeves. We made our way back to the cabin against the rushing sounds of the Sakandaga. It almost lulled me into a sense of security, thinking all was good and right with the world, and nothing could harm us now. The spirit of the river was strong and soothing, and I remembered, once again, why I felt so at home on its shores. Once inside, we fed Ruby and Dak, made a hearty breakfast of oatmeal with nuts, raisins, brown sugar, and cream, and I dressed Kitty's wounds once again, shooing Quinn outside to take Dak for a walk. I followed the same procedure Sky had used the night before, and noticed that the combination of the river water's cleansing abilities and our oil's healing...